Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on CityCast Philly, we're covering some of the week's top stories. It's the Friday News Roundup, and I'm joined by Victor Fiorillo, senior reporter for the Philadelphia Magazine, and Sharon Flanagan, senior editor at the Philadelphia Tribune. It's Friday, January 20th, 2023. I'm Trené and this is CityCast Philly. Victor, Sharon, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sharon, let's start with you. You were covering this week the story about the Lower Marion Police Department. There has been a call for an independent investigation after police used a taser during a traffic stop. Tell us what's happening there. Trine, it is, it's just an amazingly sad story. Uh, Last night in Ardmore, the Lower Marion Commissioners held a meeting. It was a very long meeting with public comments about a case where uh, a woman was pulled over for tailgating a pickup truck. And she had tinted windows. I mean, it seemed like everything that could be wrong with her was wrong. Her Mm -hmm. license was suspended, but she wanted to pull over where she felt safe and someplace public. So she drove at least a mile with the police in very slow pursuit Mm -hmm. to a parking lot of a a Wawa. And it just escalated from there. So the police superintendent has said that the officer should have de-escalated. He did have a gun in her face once she did have her tinted window down. It was just a very scary video to watch. It's very, very disturbing. And she's shouting, she's demanding to see a supervisor, which she calls a white shirt. She tells him how her father is a state, a Pennsylvania state trooper. She has a passenger in the front and her 13-year-old son in the back. It was just a very scary, even though I knew what the outcome was, that she is still alive. Watching it with his gun, this officer had his gun in her face. Mm-hmm. and then proceeded to tase her, trying to get her out. And he was just very uncaring. It just was it was just crazy and it was sad and disturbing. Yeah, I did see um, some of the footage on local news channels. Well, what are the police saying? The Like I said, the superintendent is saying that the officer should have de-escalated. There was another officer on site who did try to calm the situation down, but unfortunately that... It, It just didn't happen. No one in the situation relaxed. So the meeting was held uh, Wednesday evening in Ardmore. And for the most part, everyone was just calling for independent investigation. And I felt that the crowd was very measured. There, There wasn't any shouting. Everyone was very civil. But they want permanent change. They're saying that these things happen over and over again. 
they were not calling for his, his immediate firing. They want the process to work. And I found that just extremely admirable in the face of such a disturbing video. Right. They want the process to go through and they want it to work and they want permanent change. Hmm. Let's shift gears and bring Victor into the conversation because, Victor, you wrote a piece this week that talked about some disturbing images, maybe for some folks. <laughs> Pigeons are popping up on Philly streets, but their bodies are like torn apart. What What is happening here? <laughs> So over the last two weeks, three people at Philly Mag, including myself, have spotted these disembodied pigeon wings on the street. It's not oh like oh my we, gosh, <laughs> and it's not like we were looking for them. We weren't doing right. a story. I just I saw some the other day, and of course, being a curious person, I took my phone out and snapped a photo of them. Um, and then on our Microsoft Teams channel the other day, I posted the photo and said, weird question, but has anybody encountered disembodied pigeon wings recently? And lo and behold, Philly Mag editor-in-chief Brian Howard, he posted a photo of his own uh, run-in with disembodied pigeon wings. And then Philly Mag executive editor Bradford Pearson sends me a photo of him and his daughter with some disembodied pigeon wings on the ground in Philadelphia. So again, you have a very small circle of people, none of whom were looking for disembodied pigeon wings, right. and three of us found them, which seemed too much to be a coincidence. That is so bizarre. So like, what what are you, some of your theories of what it could be or what's causing these pigeons to be disembodied? Ugh. <laughs> So these are clearly bird attacks by predatory birds. Uh, Philadelphia used to have virtually no predatory birds right. like most of the country, thanks to the harmful insecticide DDT, which almost wiped out the country's population of predatory birds. And we're talking what, like hawks and yes. eagles and falcons, yes, maybe? Yes, that's exactly what we are talking about. Ooh. I reached out to uh, Drexel's bird expert at the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia. And in looking at the photos, he said that it, it was probably the work of peregrine falcons based on, you know, just the remains that were left. He made a big point of saying that this is, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing they do. Although he said they could also be caused by hawks. And we have a very large hawk, hawk population now, both in Philadelphia and the surrounding area. Apparently, the Roxborough neighborhood has tons of hawks that like to nest in a local um, church there. So uh, to me, it's not so much you know, what is happening to these birds. It's clear what's happening. This isn't an incident of, you know, 5G messing with the birds' <laughs> navigational wavelengths. This isn't an incident of birds dropping out of the sky and Philly's huge rat population devouring <laughs> them. However, the question really is like, why all of a sudden is this happening? Now, the expert from Drexel Academy of Natural Sciences said he really doesn't think there's anything going on here. As he put it, the three of us just got lucky in his words. Um, he said, you know, there are predatory birds all over the place. However, after publishing the story, I have to say I'm wondering if the expert might be a little bit off in his information, just because after posting the story, I've received so many DMs and social media comments and emails and text messages 
from people who are saying, yeah, they've never in 20 years seen a disembodied pigeon on the streets of Philadelphia and all these people are suddenly encountering them. I don't know. We don't know the answer to this, but we're going to continue to look into it. It's fair to say uh, that interest in this <laughs> story about uh, grizzly disembodied pigeon wings has been very high. So I yeah, will. And just like the fact that maybe some birds just want bird dominance in the city, maybe like eagles. Uh, you had to say the eagles word. Yeah, yeah I, had to, I had to bring that in there. <laughs> Victor, you also had this other interesting story about lost luggage. And we've seen some horrific stories of people's recent holiday travel. They're trying to come back. All these airlines uh, had to cancel flights. And it's, it's not just like on the East Coast. It's throughout the country. So tell us about this lost luggage story. I've lost luggage before. I've heard stories. and honestly, And honestly, <laughs> this is... One of the craziest lost luggage stories that I've ever heard, and it comes right through Philadelphia. So what happened was this guy from Newfoundland, yes, as in Newfoundland, Canada, who has never been to Philadelphia in his life, he booked a flight to fly from the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Central Africa, where he was working on an offshore project. He booked a flight on December 21st to fly from the DRC, back home to Newfoundland on Air Canada. Now, naturally, Air Canada does not have a direct flight, nor does anybody else from Central Africa to Newfoundland, of all places. So we right. had to fly first to Paris, then from Paris to Montreal. And then he took a two-hour flight home from Montreal to his girlfriend in Newfoundland so they could celebrate Christmas together. This is a guy who, you know, flies all over the world because of his job. So he's very familiar with, you know, travel nightmares. But this one was a little bit different. So he's waiting at the baggage terminal in Newfoundland. And, you know, all the customers are coming and going with their bags. And he has that moment of like, well, I'm sure my bag's about to come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about to come out. And then. His oh, gosh. His bag never comes out. Uh, so he loses his bag. He tries to get help from Air Canada. Now, keep in mind, this is right before Christmas when travel hell was breaking loose. And so Air Canada was completely unhelpful to him, he says, in finding the bag. But here's the thing. He had in his bag one of those Apple AirTags, uh, those little devices that mm -hmm. let you track. You can track things, yeah. You can track all kinds of things. Uh, you know, these things are very controversial, but because he travels so much, he's learned, you know, he wanted to get some Apple AirTags and stick them in his luggage in, ca in case it gets lost. So he goes on his computer that night and he pulls up the AirTag and it shows that the bag is in Rittenhouse Square, Philadelphia. He's never been to Philadelphia. He has no idea what Rittenhouse Square is, right? So he goes on <laughs> Facebook looks for Rittenhouse Square, and he finds this Rittenhouse Square Facebook group that has over 7,000 members. He's like, this is a total long shot, but he emails the admin of the group, and he says, hey, can I post about my bag? The admin says, sure. I mean, this is really a group for Rittenhouse Square residents, but extenuating circumstances being what they were. So he, <laughs> he posts about this bag, and you know, like, what are the chances that anything would come through? Well, it turns out that the manager of Park, yes, the most popular restaurant, restaurant in Philadelphia, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Starr's restaurant, he sees this post. The manager of Park has this bag. Can you believe it?
wait, is it because like his luggage looked very similar to this guy's luggage? So <laughs> I didn't realize that people immigrate from India just specifically to work at Park in Rittenhouse Square, but apparently they do. And a couple of weeks before this, a guy immigrated from India to work at Park. When he left India, he didn't know his permanent address yet in Philadelphia. So the manager said, well, just use Park so that if your baggage gets lost, it'll show up here for you. This guy's baggage gets lost and it shows up at Park. The manager accepts it, turns it over to the new employee from India. Well, a week later, another bag shows up addressed to this guy from India. The guy from India says, that's not my bag. I, you know, uh, I got my luggage. So the manager looks in more detail. Somehow the luggage tracking system assigned this bag to this guy from India who never flew on Air Canada. But when the manager looked closer at the bag, he saw a little handwritten tag with the name of a guy named Daryl Pope from Newfoundland on it. He goes on Facebook, connects with Daryl Pope. The bag is now on its way back to Newfoundland via FedEx, thanks to this manager from Pope springing into action and to, you know, Facebook, which is used for so much evil these days. It's just nice when you have a fairy tale ending to the story. Newfoundland, if you ask people who've been to Newfoundland what Newfoundland is like, they will tell you it is the most friendly, hospitable place there is. It's like books have been written about this. Not only books, but plays have been written about it, including the new musical Come From Away. So the guy who lost the bag uh, made the point that, you know, it's wonderful to have this sort of reciprocity of kindness and hospitality coming from Philadelphia and the manager at Park. And wouldn't you know it, Come From Away, the musical about Newfoundland, opens at the Academy of Music on February 7th. And I'm trying to figure out a way to get the guy from Newfoundland to come down and see it with me and have dinner with me at Park, of course, because why not? But we are also the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. So it just makes sense that it happened in Rittenhouse. <laughs> it's almost too much to take in. <laughs> that is the most wildest story I've heard this whole week. Uh, Sharon, we're going to get you back into the conversation, too. We haven't forgotten about you. And everyone, uh, before we wrap up today's episode, we have to mention the big game tomorrow. Eagles versus Giants. Predictions? Eagles all the way. Of course, yes. Yeah, I say it's going to be a it's going to be a slaughter at the link. Um <laughs> I mean, what an amazing rivalry these two teams have. Right. Um yeah. there's yes. the stadiums are what 100 miles apart. We have some amazing history. If your listeners look up the miracles at the Meadowlands, two different instances where, you know, we played the Giants at the Meadowlands. We should have lost the game. And at the very last second, the Eagles come through with, well, that's why they're called miracles. So we'll see what happens. I expect some bad behavior. Yes. I'm hoping that the Eagles will disembody some Giants. Ooh, let's go. Bringing it back to that pigeon story. I love it. Do you all have any superstitions or game day rituals that you do? I'm always curious about that. No. I used to be banned to my bedroom during Eagles games. My father told me I was bad luck. Oh, my God. That's heartbreaking. Well, I made the mistake as a very young child of eight of rooting one time for the Dallas Cowboys. One time at eight. 
And from then on, I was banned from the wherever the Eagles played. I was banned from the room. But I learned my lesson. That is that that's sad, but like that's funny at the same time because I'm a mom and I was like, oh, would I do that to my kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Victor, what about you? Any game day rituals? Sure. My routine for game day. And by the way, I really only watch Eagles games until we get to the playoffs when I'll watch everybody. But I don't follow football generally. But when the Eagles are playing, my routine is to go to uh, a certain bar in Delco because nobody in my house cares about sports at all, (laughs) including my 16-year-old son. So if I were to watch a game at home, I'd literally be watching with people who aren't paying attention. There's none of that like E-L-G-L-E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles or whatever it is uh, chanting. (laughs) So so I go to this very rowdy bar, but I love it uh, because it really, you know, embodies that sort of like Philadelphia aggressiveness uh, that the, the Eagles and Eagles fans have around them. Uh, so I go out, meet my friends for a few uh, cheap domestic beers. That's great. One of the most filliest things that I saw on social media this week regarding the Eagles game was a picture tweeted by Chris Franklin, who is a Philadelphia Eagles beat writer for NJ.com. He tweeted a photo of a fan who was holding a sign that said, F the Giants, but the F word was not bleeped out. Just the, (laughs) there was no E, it was just a hashtag, and then Giants. And the guy is holding this sign, I believe it was outside of the um, Eagles Novacare Complex down in South Philly. And he's got this like weird like visor on his face. He's wearing a jersey, Eagles hat, jeans and sneakers, but holding this like very odd sign. I don't know what to make of that sign, Uh, but I mean, but I mean, that's like the one thing that's nice about when the Eagles play the Giants, you almost have for some of these games, as many Giants fans at at, at the stadium as you do Eagles fans, or at least a big enough representation to make it really interesting with all the, all the signs and the different jerseys. And it, you know, frankly, it it adds a little bit of a a tension to the experience. You know what I mean? Uh, For sure. These people, you know, they're drinking for hours in the parking lot. Depending on how the game goes, things can go south. But, you know, hopefully everybody behaves themselves to some extent uh, because we still hopefully have more playoff games and then the Super Bowl to get through should everything go our way. And we have to save up some of the misbehavior for the uh, aftermath of the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Senior reporter at Philadelphia Magazine, Victor Fiorillo. And Sharon Flanagan, city editor at the Philadelphia Tribune. Thank you both so much for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, and music this week comes from All the Kimonos. If you enjoyed the show and this week of episodes, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd love to hear what you think. Leave us a review and make sure you subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, where you'll see a list of some really great events happening this weekend. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. 
Have a fun weekend. Be safe. Go Eagles!